Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I review The Beast Unleashed Monster Hard Seltzers, take a closer look at alchemical golems in segment My Favorite Monster, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a wheel save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're live. Yeah, live, baby. Once again, happy March live zone of truth to you, Griffin. <laughs> happy belated St. Patrick's Day to you as well. Yes, that was yesterday. Did you have any green beer? No. No, neither did I. No, that would have made this story at the top even worse. Probably. Yeah. Oof. Would have been able to tell. Wouldn't have been able to tell. <laughs> God. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> it's wow. How have you been, man? Pretty good. Yeah. Besides what we talked about at the top, which yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to throw at the end of the episode. Yeah. Maybe um, after the credits roll, because it's worth it. Boy. Yeah. So hanging in there. Yeah. Hanging in there. And how was your St. Patrick's Day? It was good. We uh, watched the March Madness, drank a, a few beers at a brewery. It was nice. nice. It was pretty chill. Nice. I noticed. Uh, <laughs> Work got shockingly empty. Hmm. Strange how that works. Strange how that works. I don't think I got I got an email at 8 a.m. And then the second email I got all day was at 3.30 from like somebody who sends an automated email at 3.30 yeah, <laughs> on I was, Fridays. I was on a couple of calls where some people let it slip like, yeah, I've been watching all the games. And I'm like, well, don't some of those take place while you're supposed to be working? What's going on here? <laughs> Everybody's watching the games yep. during work. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were in office, because it's way easier to watch the games now, obviously, working from home. But when we were in office, like people would just book conference rooms with the big TV all day. Like, all right, you're just going to blatantly stream four games on yeah, the big ass TV. That's pretty absurd. <laughs> but Yeah, man. Well, on my end, it was chill. I stayed in last night, just took care of business. I was playing a little Xbox. That was fun. I recently upgraded to an Xbox Series X, terrible name. You know, I'm two years late making that observation. Is the next gen going to be a triple Xbox? I really hope so. If they don't, what are they doing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, they've made too many blunders in the naming convention so far. I feel like that would be the one way to bring it back. Listen, man, I really like the new Xbox. One of the things that I was surprised by was how easy it was to move from my Xbox One to my Xbox Series X. Literally, like, I pulled the old one out, put the new one in, had, like, a couple gigs of installs to do, and then, like, resumed the games that I was playing on the original, you know, Xbox One. It was so cool, so fast. Last night, I was playing the original Clone Wars Xbox game, that apparently is backwards compatible. I used to play it on GameCube, so ton of nostalgia, super fun. But yeah, controller's a little better. <laughs> little, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I was doing last night. I just took it easy. I slept in late today because we got a long day ahead of us. So yeah. needed to be all rested up. Griff, what have you been into lately? I don't think I mentioned it last time, but Haley and I watched the entire first season of Shorzy which is the spinoff to Letterkenny, 
it's where like because there's there's one background character in Letterkenny, a hockey player that is played by the same actor that is Wayne, so the main character, and he's just this like shit talking hockey player. And at the end of one of the seasons of Letterkenny, he like he moves to another part of like a, a big city in Canada, mm-hmm. a big city in air quotes compared to Letterkenny, and joins like a whatever the like triple a tier hockey is like the the tier below nhl and so the whole season's about that basically like so it's a it's a sports show but it really doesn't get too much into sports and it's just hilarious the comedy in it is very reminiscent of letter kenny but the character of shorzy is fleshed out in a really funny way and uh the people they bring on for this new season are almost none of the like Really, just the character of Shorzy is the only through line between the two shows. But I think mm-hmm. the actors they brought on for Shorzy are all very funny as well. So, sure. So, definitely worth watching. It's fun. And then I just listened to this morning uh, T Pain has a new album out. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called On Top of the Covers. And it's where he covers songs from like all genres. Okay. So, he does like. <laughs> He does like Tennessee whiskey. I think he does "Don't Stop Believing" or, or another Journey me, song. T Pain does T Pain. Yeah, he covers all of them, and I think he does War Pigs. He does War Pigs or what? one of the other, and and it's really good. Well, that's what we're listening to. I'm, I was this. like, I was like shocked at the at his rendition of uh, of War Pigs. I think it's like the best one on the album, to be honest. And it's just like a really fun album because it's T Pain and. He shows off that he can, like, kind of actually sing. Which, sure. you know, isn't quite evident in his genre of music where he kind of pioneered autotune. Right. But, yeah, he's, you know, he's definitely talented, and the album's pretty cool. Hell yeah, man. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, like I said, we absolutely got to listen to, what did you say, over the covers? On top of the covers? On top of the covers, On yeah. top of the and covers. And it's literally, it's literally a, a picture of T-Pain, like, half naked on, <laughs> on top of the covers of a bed. I love <laughs> that. Well, as for me, besides all of that fun Xbox that I've been playing, I have been listening to some new music. One of my uh, hometown hero bands, Real Friends, uh, a band that I used to see like in bowling alleys on the south side of Chicago, just released a new EP called There's Nothing Worse Than Too Late. And it is just great pop punk. We're in a great era of Real Friends is what I was thinking last night when I was re-listening to this. It's just like their last EP was a banger. This one's a banger. It's just the best distilled version of like the music that I listened to as a teenager, if that makes sense. All of the things that I liked about like Blink-182 or Jimmy Eat World have been like distilled by this band into just like the cleanest, most awesome pop punk. So nothing worse than Too Late. Check out that EP. It's a lot of fun. I've seen a video recently where a guy was correlating because, you know, I've been like deep in the uh, like Southern Gothic hole for a while. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how many southern gothic bands have members that were like in pop punk bands really uh and that like you know our generation the bridge between what we listened to in high school or whatever and like listening to southern gothic now is not like really a bridge too far he was like mentioning a lot of bands like the dead south and amiga Mm -hmm. the devil are two like really 
big for the genre, like Southern Gothic bands, and all of their members were in pop punk bands in the 2010s. Fucking rock. So it's like, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like, they're saying the difference is that as you age, you find that even if you're like dissatisfied with the world or whatever, you end up loving certain things. Mm hmm. And that's kind of what Southern Gothic is to pop punk, where, like, instead of focusing on the things that you hate, it's more focusing on, like, you know, recovering from addiction or, like, or just, like, kind of the brighter side of some things, like, looking back and saying, like, okay, well, I can say that was really terrible, but, like, these are the things that I enjoy still. And so it's, like, it's kind of what people in their 30s go through as they age. I love that. That's so, awesome. Yeah. What, what were a couple of those bands that you shouted out? I know uh, Amiga the Devil is one that's really big, and you've heard the Dead South because we play it on Drunken Discordly all the time. Yeah. Are like two of the bigger ones that had that had like pop punk members, but a lot of them do. I think the guy that was doing this like thesis in video had listed like 10 bands that all had at least one member that was in a pop punk band prior. Fucking rocks. That's awesome. All right. Well, you know what? I think we've gone too long without having a drink. Don't you think? Absolutely. All right. I've been waiting for these for weeks. It's been over a month. I bought this pack a while ago. Unfortunately, with scheduling and trying to get packs in for different zones of truth, this one just kind of sat on the back burner. And they're ones that we've both been real excited about. So today we are reviewing the Beast Unleashed Monster Hard Seltzers. So we got a little copy I got to get through. Our original crew has been making drinks for 30 plus years now. Our favorite brand, Monster Energy, is about to turn 21. We figured, why not celebrate the big day by making an adult beverage? We hit delete on the energy blend, cut out the caffeine and ditched the sugar. Next, we brewed up the smoothest tasting alcohol ever and blended it with our tried and true flavors. The beast is unleashed. Great taste, six point oh my percent alcohol, and no sugar to weigh you down. Get ready to celebrate, and don't be afraid of the big bad beast. Cheers. Six percent. I like that already. Lovely copy. Yes. Uh, aforementioned six percent or six point oh my ABV. We have zero added sugar, no caffeine. We got four flavors here, Griffin. We have mean green, white haze, peach perfect and scary berries. And how are we gonna rate these today? We're gonna be on the monster scale. So it's a little different than our usual rating scale in that we don't have a defined one to five. Of course, we're gonna be putting things in one to five on a five point scale. But as we each try the seltzers, we might say, oh, this is a four out of five. To me, that's a a Pathfinder monster like in El Golthu. (laughs) Hell yeah. Okay. (laughs) The monster scale. So we're giving these monster ratings. You said you're excited about these. I am too. What do you think? We should just get into it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. We're going to start with the original here. Mean Green. It's defined as an original with big, bold flavor that's inspired by the OG black and green can. Something to note, these do kind of look like regular monster cans. And the aluminum on these is black. So they look pretty good. Pretty cool. Well, I take a sip. Do you like Monster, like the original flavor? You know, I was a big blue Monster guy before White Monster came out. I I would drink it about as much as I drank, like, Red Bull sugar-free. I think those were my original two energy drinks. Now I'll pass this your way. I did like Monster, but, you know, 
definitively does have a harsher taste than some of the different stuff that came after it. Monster itself has put out a lot of really delicious flavors. You obviously have some incredible flavors by Bang. Rockstar has great energy. And I just didn't really find myself gravitating to the original, like the core monster flavors because there was new stuff. And now that you've had your sip, I'm just going to hop into it. This is fucking exactly it's, green it's monster. Exactly, it's promise of the premise. A thousand percent met. Yes. That's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, like you couldn't tell me there's booze in that. And no. you, by the same token, like I'm going to get like a placebo energy buzz out of that because mm-hmm. it literally just tastes like blue monster or blue or green monster. Really? It's truly wild. What is there to say except it tastes identical to what it's trying to do? Like, like in, a, in a way that so much beats the piss out of the Mountain Dew one, too. Oh, like I can't sure. even the the flavor profile of this is exact. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas Mountain Dew missed, yeah, like through whatever metric, through the alcohol content or whatever, like it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. How are you going to rate this one, man? That's a five for me. That I, even if I wasn't a big fan of the Green Monster, for them to capture that so perfectly deserves a five, in my opinion. I'm going to say this is a doppelganger because oh. because it creates fucking green monster perfectly. It recreates it perfectly. The clone is there. Well, you know what? I will also be absolutely giving this a five out of five. Kind of wish I thought about doppelganger first as well. Well, I'm more of a doppelganger fan, but, you know, we'll, you know, splitting hairs. I got to give this a green dragon, baby, and maybe... That dragon's a little bad. Uh, uh Griff, take us through White Haze, all right? Yeah, let's do this, White Haze. So White Haze, citrus elevated with a clean, smooth finish like its namesake. Now, are these... This That's is the, the same, same copy, copy yeah. but, uh So the White Haze is a little different, I think, in that much like with the White Monster, it actually has the... Um, like the texture the, on the can. There's texture on the can. Which, that was my first indication when I bought this that we were in for a good time. If they put the care into making the can feel like the can that it's trying to replicate, that rocks. I mean, it's fucking White Monster. Which is White arguably Monster. the best fucking thing Monster has done. <laughs> I, I don't know that I disagree with you. We're just talking core flavors and not some like limited editions or anything. White Monster is the perfected monster. Right. I mean, it's just it's it's the most available and like popular mm-hmm. monster that is out, I believe. I mean, uh, and that's exactly it as well. You'd have to put that in front of like Emily to get her to taste like a, a real difference between the two. Yeah, because like I, I can't taste it. I 100% have to give that a 5 out of 5. I'm throwing a Lenorm. Oh, that's where I was going to go with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a 5 out of 5. Ooh, I think uh, I'm going to say this one's a cold rider. I like that. Yeah, perfect with the white can and everything. White can, blue eyes. This is a blue eyes white dragon. (laughs) All right. Peach Perfect. Now I think we're starting to get into some of the less traditional monster flavors. So let's see if they're able to stay true. So I think these first two were replicating an existing monster flavor. I think these second two aren't doing that. This is now like true. Uncharted We're we're doing seltzers now territory, I guess. So Peach Perfect. Peach has never tasted better perfection in a can. Now we had a peach seltzer last time on the Zone of Truth Mm -hmm. that was 
fine, albeit fairly disappointing. So let's give this a shot. We're barreling, at least in my perspective, barreling towards a perfect pack. Yeah, that is, um, that's fucking peach ring. Yeah. That's peach ring in a can. It's perfect. It's so good. Um, Haley's crying. Yeah. They're not gluten free. They're malt beverages. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I love peach rings. I just want to. Yeah, this is, this is probably the best peach tasting seltzer I've ever had. Um, which no, yeah, stop talking about it. Huge shame for you. Yeah, I it mean, beats the piss out of what we had last time. Yeah, it's. I'm um, so upset. I only have what we had last time. Yeah, it's. What would I even call this as a monster? Like, it's a five out of five. I think this is like a. Um, <laughs> this is like the um, the fermented peach juice that. Uh, Green's bad uh, would drink. So it's this is like the the ent. Oh, a Patreon poll there from Fell Night Queen. That's yeah. a good one. Ooh, I like that a lot. What would I drop in for this? Hmm. You know, I'm kind of kind of take a different approach here. And I think back to the movie most known for the peach. And of course, that's James and the Giant Peach, which makes me think of large things in the ocean, which makes me think of Barlow from <laughs> the neutral interlude. Whatever the fuck that big hell whale was that could yeah. swallow ships whole and belly flop them. This rocks. Yeah. So good. Take us home, man. Bring us around. What do we got left? Alright, last one is Scary Berries. All berry, no bullshit for a better buzz. Wow, that's great copy too. <laughs> Holy shit. These guys are killing it. No, we'll see about this. It didn't specify what berry it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That almost gives me hints of <laughs> the raspberry tea from our favorite bang pack. Yeah. It's very close to that. And so I think it's maybe shooting for like a raspberry. I don't know, but I think you're right. And I think it's delicious. Yeah, it's great. So um, listener Eric has been... Uh drinking these along with you guys. Okay. And he described this one as a carbonated berry smoothie. Yeah. It's sure. Like, it's, it's fucking great. And uh, I think this is like an arch druid because it casts a real good berry. Oh, that's good. I, or what are you rating that? A five out of five. Five out of five. Okay. I'm also going to give this a five out of five. That makes this a hashtag perfect pack. Perfect um, pack. Yeah. Make sure, <laughs> make sure that you tweet about that. This pack kicks ass, dude. What monster. You know what? I'm going to take a little bit of a different route here. Not the most powerful, not the most prolific, but one of my personal favorite Pathfinder monsters is the Gug. And the Gug has that giant split open head with that pink maw. This is like, and uh, this is a, a delicious pink beverage. Yeah. So it, it reminds me of something that I like because I like this. And I'm giving this a Gug. This is fucking great. Wow. Hashtag perfect pack. Haley, has Eric been saying what he's been thinking? Has he been appreciating them too? Um, I think the only thing he didn't give a five out of five was the very first one because he said it tasted like super artificial monster, which he doesn't love to be with. You know what? Fair criticism. If you don't like monster, you're not going to like that, but they are doing what they're trying to do. So final verdict here, Griff, does this pack, the monster pack, make you want a monster mash? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. I'll be monster mashing these all night. Absolutely. And at 6%, they're going to catch up with us quick. Eric's final rating was a gift that says beast mode activated. <laughs> hey, there you go. I'm nice. here for it. All right, we got to split these up, man. Yeah, this is a real Sophie's choice. I don't, you know, I'm fine with this one if you don't like monster as much. I mean, I, I do. It's, so. it's up to you because I'm perfectly fine drinking that one because mm-hmm. uh, I like monster, original monster. Well, um, I think we should split up the originals. And I know you're a big fan of the white haze. So if, if you're really passionate about that, take it. If not, take the green one and I'll take the white haze. Right, I'll take the white then. All right. I'm on green. And then. Dude, again, like I love both of these equally. So yeah. it's really, you know. We're going to be exchanging them. I'll just grab this one that's closer. It's the right. peach. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm Yeah. I'm so no sad you can't have these, Haley, because they're. I'm not because that means more for us. Yeah, baby. but they're just they're just fantastic. Wow. JK, I, I wish you could drink them. They're very good. Remember those really that really really good Alani pack that you guys like love. Yeah, that was also malt. <laughs> oh man! All right, well, Monster took you twenty one years, but boy, you delivered. Hey, just like me, waited twenty one years to drink. Hell yeah! Then you delivered. Then I delivered. All right, let's no, get. No, you in- didn't use barbecue sauce as a fucking chaser. Hey, it took him another 30. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Hey. We can move on from there. I just, I can't believe that was even a thought. Let he who has never taken a barbecue shot chaser vodka throw the first stone. <laughs> I think she just did. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> she just threw the first stone. <laughs> All right. We are bringing back a classic segment that was voted by our Patreon supporters for today's episode. We are talking my favorite monster. We're going to be dissecting a cool Pathfinder creature. And Griff and I were texting earlier this week trying to decide what we want to do. And he said, hey, we're in the middle of this big fight on the HLP where one of the combatants is this really interesting creature, the alchemical golem. And alchemical golems themselves don't really have much of a place in actual real people lore they exist pretty much entirely in the D slash pathfinder space but we have never really talked about what golems are and the history beyond them because they have a rich history uh, within jewish culture so i was like you know what sure go ahead and dive into the stat block talk about how it works in pathfinder and i'll talk about where the core creature for this variant came from and so that's what we're going to do today So, Griff, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Like I had mentioned earlier, the golem is an animated anthropomorphic being from Jewish folklore, usually created from inanimate matter. But unlike D&D or Pathfinder, it's usually just made out of clay or mud, not all of the million and one different varieties that exist in TTRPGs. If we're talking about famous golem narratives, the most famous one is the Golem of Prague. That is a story from the 16th century, and we're going to touch on that in just a moment. But before we get there, where does golem come from or where do they come from? So the word itself, the etymology of this occurs only once in the Bible, in the book of Psalms. It translates approximately to my light form, which basically means an unfinished human being before God's eyes in modern Hebrew. And this is something that I really appreciated. Folks still use the word golem, but not always to describe golem as a creature. You might hear uh, someone throw around the word golem as kind of an insult as like, 
you dumbass golem, you fool. Someone who is dumb or helpless, but can also be a term for something that serves humans when controlled, but harms humans when it is not. So, very, very early golems. Where do they come from? In the Jewish holy texts of the Talmud, Adam, from the Adam and Eve story, the first man ever created, was originally a golem before he was refined by God into human form with human intelligence and behaviors and all of that fun stuff. During the Middle Ages, scholars would study this book on Jewish mysticism called, uh, and, and uh, as always, forgive my pronunciation, I'm trying, but I'm not familiar. It's called Sefer Yetzira. It's a book that actually details how you can create golems. So during these times, it was believed that golems could be made by creating like a, a clay or mud body and then using letters from the Hebrew alphabet to create what's called a Shem or write one of the names of God on a piece of paper. Then you insert that paper into the mouth or place it on the forehead of the golem body and that animates it earliest known record of how to create a, a golem was found uh, oh dear in Sodai Rezaia by Elazar ben Judah of Worms in the late 12th and early 13th century so I immediately said Judah of Worms that's a badass yeah, title dude, how do you get that title Worms is a city uh, yeah damn, I, I know like that <laughs> that's I thought he was like an undertaker or something. I know. I, I was really excited, but no, it's a city I think in Germany. So we're gonna get to the Golem of Prague in a second, but before we have to hit another notable golem in Jewish history. So the oldest description of the creation of a golem by someone who actually existed and is not part of a, a larger mythology is included in a tradition connected with Rabbi Aliehu of Chelm. This takes place between 1550 and 1583. The account describes how a golem could be deactivated by removing part of the Shem word, that word that animates golems that I described earlier. And usually that word means truth. It translates to truth. But when you like, I don't know if you erase one of the letters or rip the paper to take one of the letters off, but subtracting one of the letters changes the meaning of the word from truth to death, deactivating the golem. This golem was created to do chores and just manual labor for the rabbi. But the rabbi noticed that the golem continued to grow, never stopping. And I don't know if this is hyperbolic or what, but he feared that the golem would destroy the universe because it was going to get too large. So he removed the holy name, broke it from truth to death and caused the golem to disintegrate and turn to dust. That's strange. So it was just like cultivating mass the whole time. Yep. And I don't know if he was intimidated or what, but... Well, I mean, like, if something just keeps exponentially getting bigger, I guess, yeah, you you just think that would keep going. Yeah. And he was concerned, but he There's took care of business. a lot of clay around. Exactly. So here's the real famous one, the Golem of Prague. So this is the most famous Golem narrative. It involves a central character, Judah Lo Ben Basilel, the late 16th century rabbi of Prague who reportedly created a golem out of clay from the banks of the Vltava River and brought it to life through rituals and Hebrew incantations to defend the Prague ghetto from anti-Semitic attacks. And this is a really interesting story. So 
Jews in Prague were to either be expelled or killed under the rule of Rudolf II, the Holy uh, Emperor of Rome. The golem itself was called Yosef or Yosely, and he was said to be able to make himself invisible and summon the spirits of the dead to help defend his people. Rabbi Lowe deactivated the golem on Friday evenings by removing the Shem word before the Sabbath so as to let the creature, the golem, rest on that day in accordance with Jewish tradition. The golem was eventually destroyed. I, I'm not exactly sure how or why, but its body was laid to rest in the synagogue's attic in Prague. And this is where the story starts to get really interesting, although we won't go into too much detail, but there are a lot of creepy or scary stories that surround this attic and the body of the golem in it. There are accounts of people going up there and getting terrified or strange things happening. There, there's even a story of a Nazi agent who went up into the attic and then soon after died under suspicious circumstances. And people think it's like, ooh, the spirit of this golem came after this Nazi because, you know, Nazis and Jewish people don't exactly have uh, yeah, we, a great not, history. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah you, that, you know. Put that together. Um, but... Uh, eventually the attic was opened up and there is no body. There is no body of this golem. It was said to either be stolen or has been relocated or something, but it is definitely missing if it existed at all. So, or fixed or fixed, maybe cultivating mass to this day. This one didn't grow exponentially, but that's not to say it couldn't. That, that's true. <laughs> I am complaining these stories here. With enough clay, it could take over the universe. Mm hmm. So I'm just going to talk about some tertiary things around golem stories, and then we're going to move on to the Pathfinder stuff. So through all these stories, there's a theme of hubris, kind of monkey's paw like where the golem is usually a mixed blessing. They're completely unintelligent. So when they're commanded to perform a task, they're going to do exactly what you tell it to do. And sometimes that has bad ramifications for the people that animate these golems because they don't really think through what they're asking or prepare for their words to be taken so literally. The myth of the golem-inspired tales like Frankenstein. Frankenstein basically is a golem. And uh, the source that I read said that in some way you could draw parallels from classic golem stories all the way up to like Terminator, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And that like the Terminator in effect is a like modern sci-fi golem. Well, right, because the idea of Skynet, mm -hmm. the idea of like AI is kind of similar to a Gollum story sure. where it's like it's not true intelligence in the sense of like human intelligence. And so to that point, like the monkey's paw plays out, right? yeah. it, you know, it plays out in a way that in sci-fi is because this AI is taking taking these commands too far or as a Gollum is just like, OK, the Gollum. You asked the golem to divert the river, and it did, but, you know, it, the easiest way to do that was to just push a couple kids in it. <laughs> yeah, you get it, man. If you want to see golems in some modern-day stuff, you can check them out on X-Files, The Simpsons' Treehouse of Horror, Grimm, Supernatural, etc. This is a very popular myth that's made its way and into a lot of modern pop culture and it's still relevant I, you know of, of course we got to call out why is it here you know it was included originally in uh, Dungeons and Dragons and because of that it cascaded down into a whole bunch of other systems including Pathfinder and games obviously you have the clay golem based pretty much 
entirely on the myth. But then a lot of the golems, including the one that we're going to talk about today, have kind of changed from a what would be like a cherished defender to something that's more like an unthinking Hulk brute. And a lot of the variants of the golem, like the flesh golem, are closer to gothic folklore and things like Frankenstein than they are to the original source material. So even though that golem name is still attached to the alchemical golem and the flesh golem and the this golem and the that golem, there's not a whole lot of direct parallels between the source material and what it is today. It's so. pretty much just a form given life through other means. Exactly. You know, so. And I think on that note, we're basically into the, the D&D yeah. Pathfinder stuff, yeah. so take it away, Griff. Let's talk about the alchemical golem. Sure. Well, to talk about the alchemical golem, we do have to talk about golems a little bit in general, because realistically, a golem in Pathfinder is somewhat similar to what you're talking about. It's a magically created construct, most often animated by infusing a lifeless form with an elemental spirit. Generally, that's an earth elemental. And then, you know, most golems are mindless and serve their creator's command. An alchemical golem is a little bit different. So an alchemical golem is made out of metal, wood, and glass tubes. And it's armed with, you know, a ton of chemicals, as you would expect from an alchemical creature. And there's a mindless humanoid brain that floats in its domed glass head which allows it to follow orders. So the brain is what kind of lets it follow orders because it's not an earth elemental brought into a body. It's brought to life by alchemy. So they use alchemy in combination with magic to bring an alchemical golem to life. And it actually needs the brain to follow orders where another golem that is an elemental spirit could just do that because the elemental spirit can inherently understand and follow orders so in that way they're a little bit different they're normally a cr9 creature large constructs with uh, an ac of 23 really low touch as we would expect for a large clumsy creature and about 100 hit points they have uh, dr10 adamantine and they have those classic construct traits and the immunity to magic however that immunity to magic is bypassed by any magic with the sonic tag which affects them normally as we know with golems in the DD and pathfinder mythos they're immune to magic for the most part but there are certain effects that seem to disrupt either the elemental spirit or the, the that creation spirit of them and i'd be remiss if we didn't Go ahead and throw up that art on screen because we love the alchemical golem. Yeah, they're uh, they're creepy little guys. I think that's the Tui art, yeah. refresh Tui art, which is a pretty cool look. Yeah, again, they're just like a brain, and in the Tui art, it's got eyes <laughs> floating in a vat of green goo. They really have like an Edward Scissorhands type thing going yeah. on, where their big long syringe fingers dangle down basically almost to their ankles. It's crazy. Right, and you gotta think like these creatures are mainly armed for defense because their limbs aren't really created to like handle things, you know? They're very spindly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they're the they're syringes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't really, can't really be doing shit with syringes. So, 
What does an alchemical golem get? They get slams that do a decent amount of damage, 2d8 plus 8 plus alchemy, which is that where I was kind of like rolling randomly to determine what extra type of damage they do. They get like six effects that are in each of their syringes. Mm-hmm. That allows them to like, you know, they can inject you with something that like burns you and does fire or they can inject you with something that entangles you. So they have a bunch of different ki- type of effects there. They can sicken you, for instance, and that's their special ability called alchemy. They also get bombs, which act kind of like an alchemist bomb, except they have a range increment of 60 feet or they have a thrown distance of 60 feet with no range increment. And then if the attack misses, you treat it as a thrown splash weapon to determine where it lands. Anyone struck by a golem's bomb takes 8d6 points of a determined randomly uh, energy type, which is fun. And then all creatures adjacent to the location where the bomb hits take 1d6 points of energy damage of the same type. So again, it's like it's worded differently, I think, to make the splash damage easier to calculate or whatever, but you know, you guys don't get a save for the splash damage then. It's Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting effect. That's kind of all they got, man. I mean, they're like, <laughs> but so, so what I really want to talk about here is what I actually threw at you guys. Oh, sure. In this fight, which is much more fun for higher level parties. So what I did to these guys is I gave them the commando construct template, which is way cool. And it's this template that allows it, it basically creates a construct it has to be a construct, so it has to be either a golem or a clockwork or some kind of an automaton that you give this template to, but it makes them an elite fighting machine that often operates alone or in small squads, and uh, they become, like, more intelligent in that they can handle, like, more complex orders and do, like, clandestine operations, assassinations, infiltrations, that kind of thing. So... It's a template that ranges from a CR plus one to a CR plus two, depending on hit die. I think it's a plus one. It's very. It's at the bleeding edge of a plus one for the for the alchemical golem, because the alchemical golem has. Let's see. Hit die. Oh no, it's it's a plus two for the alchemical golem because it has twelve hit die, and all this stuff is based off of hit die. So basically, it gives them the augmented subtype, which you would expect with most of these templates. It increases their natural armor bonus by four. It changes all of their hit dice to D12s, so they get like a shitload more hit points because normally they're D8s. And then it gives them combat feats. So they get combat feats for every four hit dice. So these guys were getting, you know, three extra combat feats, whereas a, a normal alchemical golem would have none of that. So like that's how they were getting like combat reflexes and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is really cool, and I never got to use it against you guys, but they get this ability called Energized Alacrity. Once per minute as a swift action, a commando construct can draw power from special energizing transmitters attached to its body. When doing so, it gains a 30-foot bonus to all of its speeds for one round. Additionally, when making a full attack during this round, the commando construct can move up to its speed either before or after it attacks. So you get pounce huh. once per minute, basically, on these guys with that. And then depending on your hit die, you get special attacks. So these guys had 12 hit die, so they got two special attacks. So you get to choose from a list. You get either brutal attacks, so when they make two successful melee attacks against the same target in one round, they can rend. You get energy attacks, where they do an extra D6 of a chosen energy type on hits. 
you can get an extra attack. So when they make a full attack, they get one bonus extra attack per round at its highest BAB, which is great because uh, normally they have two slams. You can get a knockdown strike where they get to forego doing damage to make a free combat maneuver check to knock you prone, basically. They get a knockout strike where they can knock you unconscious with one of its melee attacks, depending on your fortitude save. Uh, they get precision, so they get to roll twice to confirm critical hits, taking the more favorable result. Uh, you can give them reach. You can give them retaliatory strike, which I loved, which is anytime them or an adjacent oh. ally gets hit, they get an attack of opportunity against that Fearing. creature. Now, you know, these guys were advanced and then they had this template, so they're sitting at like a plus nine dex. Mm -hmm. So they had nine AOOs. They had, you know, a 36 strength or something. So they're, the commando construct and the advanced template both give bonuses to strength. Uh, and um, among other things, so they were, I mean, they were like CR-13s, basically, yeah. after all of that. Again, you know, you got to make them somewhat of a challenge for you guys. A CR-9 creature really isn't going to be. I also gave them Sneak Attack. That's one of the other uh, special attacks you can give them. Uh, so these guys had 66 Sneak Attack. They never really got to pull it off on you. Or you can give them Sundering Blows, which is the, the final special attack, which can they confirm a critical they deal an amount of damage to the target's armor or shield equal to the melee damage as if it had succeeded at a sunder combat maneuver so they can get like pretty nasty in the combat maneuvers with their special attacks when you give them this commando thing or you can just <laughs> give them this stupid broken retaliatory strike thing and extra attacks if you want you know it's kind of the sky's the limit but it makes them very strong so you get a plus four strength and a plus four dex with this template, and then the same with the um, with the advanced template. So it's pretty juicy. Yeah, fun creature, very cool. Love the flavor on them. Love the art. Is there anything that you wanted to say before we uh, move it along here? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, I think it's time for some questions. So Haley, do we have any from the chat? We got a couple. So right now we've got one question from Eric who said, do you think the discussion on artificial intelligence today is a Gollum analog or a different parallel? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I'm not well versed in artificial intelligence. I mean, when I said it was a Gollum parallel, it's not like a perfect parallel. It is definitely a monkey's paw situation though. Mm -hmm. Like a AI is a, a monkey's paw situation. Yeah. Hmm. This is maybe the worst answer. I don't think that I'm equipped to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert in AI, and I also have not been particularly involved in the discussions around AI, like AI art or the chatbot stuff. Yeah. Because I don't understand the technology well, I just kind of recuse myself from it. But yeah, I mean, if you look at Terminator and similar uh, franchises. Yeah, I think, I think if you look at any of the well, AI yeah, of gone, gone wrong, like stories or whatever, it's all like a, it's pretty much all a monkey's paw situation in that we try and create a perfect world of not having to do anything and whatever. And AI takes over because it's more efficient not to have people or whatever. And you know what? Probably right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Definitely right. <laughs> Definitely right. <laughs> that's, that's not up for argument. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we're getting bred out of existence with uh, with artificial intelligence. That's our own fault. All right, what's the next question? 
Next question, also from Eric. I've got, what is your favorite magic exception in a golem? Like the special set of spells that can get around the immunities and can uh, buff or debuff and interact in uh, Uh, unique ways. There's so Mm. many fun ones. Like I particularly am am partial to the flesh golem ones just because we've played with them so much and I've actually seen them like happen Mm -hmm. because you guys have encountered them so much. A lot of times it's just annoying because like... they're not usually spells that anyone gives much of a shit about. And so, you know, your wizard doesn't have it <laughs> ready because it's not something that, like, in a normal day would would happen. But, but I kind of like the idea of, you know, being hasted when you get zapped and being slow when you get chilled or burned. So in, in that sense, like, the Flesh Golem one feels like a good use of a spell. And I feel like some of them, some of them are just like you take eight eight d six of damage if somebody casts earthquake on you because you're a clay golem or whatever. It's like ah, that's not even like what the spell damage is, guys. Yeah, my gut reaction was the hit him with electricity and it'll speed him up. I think that's kind of fun. But as you're answering, I just started looking at different Pathfinder golems. Shout out to the junk golem that. When you hit it with a grease spell, it gets hasted. That's fun if you have a junk golem, because, like, grease is definitely a popularly prepared first-level spell. Or if you hit him with wood shape or rusting grasp, you're going to do 2d6 points of damage to him. I don't know who prepares rusting grasp, but if you got it, use it, right? Yeah. I used to have a character that prepared that. Ooh, nice. Well, they would have been good against one particular type of golem. Fair. That would be one golem. All right. I like the idea of being able to like plant like, growth if, heals a pumpkin golem. Yeah, I like the idea of being able to like oh. summon a like as a GM. I would definitely allow this. Like if you could summon a uh, rust monster mm. versus like an iron golem or something, I'd definitely let that be super impactful. But I don't know. I don't even know if like a, a rust monster is on one of the summon monster lists. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tough question to answer because. You have to know some specific things about golems, and golems are very specific. Uh, a lot of golems are very specific. Like, when are you going to run in this pumpkin golem or this uh, wax golem or whatever? So, you know, I, I don't have a lot of this stuff memorized, but I'm just kind of looking through it, and it's pretty awesome. Wax golem, you do fire, it slows them down. If you do cold, it. Wait, did I have that backwards? No, that's. that's Actually, yeah, that's fi- right. Fire yeah. slows. Fire slows because they get all cold they get breaks all the small uh, yeah and then cold does the opposite of yeah, that cold yeah cold hardens them back that's up. cool yeah I think that's cool so we have a couple other questions too let's do it all right so the redacted demon Corey has mm-hmm. asked if there were a seltzer golem what would its magic exception be that's tough because I don't know of cases where there are like liquid golems mm. you know I think it would be similar to. I don't think this is major spoilers. It's just a creature that was in the back matter. But wasn't there like the brewery golem or something in Clockwork Brewer? Clockwork Brewer. So it wasn't even a golem, but like in Outlaws of Alkenstar, I could see it Mm -hmm. like working similarly to that. Yeah. uh, If that thing had a weakness. um, Hear me out on this. Actually, help me out on this because I've got half of an idea, but I don't know how to get there. Okay. Slow it by making the seltzer go flat. Ooh, um, oh, okay, so what if, um, uh, what if you, well, okay, so the other side of that idea, I don't know what level this would be, but it would have to be level appropriate to, like, burn this spell, but 
air bubble. Yes. Air bubble would speed it up because you get the, you know, you mm-hmm. can flavor that into like it, 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 it even fizziness. More. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some kind of like vacuum spell that I'm not thinking of, or maybe there's like, there's a couple that like invert your breathing. Like, um, didn't you hit us with a suffocation one not that long ago? Yeah, suffocation maybe oh, could, sure. could like could mess with the bubbles. Uh, suffocation is like, I think at minimum a fifth level spell though. It's pretty high. That's fine. A, a hard seltzer going would be very high level. Yeah, it would be course. hard <laughs> seltzer, yeah. What if, uh, I mean, what if alcohol fueled it? And so like you could do a little damage kind of like a, kind of like a disrupt undead with like purify food and drink. Mm-hmm. So like you're trying to remove the poison or whatever. Yeah, I love that. I mean, alcohol is fueling me right now. I'm loving this. You can make it go. You can make it go bad now. if you drop the poison egg in it. It's one way to Done. use the poison egg uh, cantrip. Cantrip and money. <laughs> I think poison egg is a level one. Is it a spell? first level? Oh my right. god! And that's why it's even worse because you have to use a spell slot on yeah. it. It's not a cantrip. Oh boy. So fucking funny. Yeah, I think I think there's like some low level ones that I would say work. Like to make it like a fruited seltzer, you just toss like good berries in it. Mm-hmm. But who does that benefit? Everybody. I don't know. <laughs> makes it a better time. All right. Makes the flavor better. <laughs> sure. The seltzer feels better about itself. It gains a charisma bonus. Oh, I guess, <laughs> yeah, it's like fast healing one or something. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got, Haley? All right, so we got another one from Muth. If someone made you a golem, which kind would you prefer, and what would you use it for? Oh, like me made, made one you for one. you to use. Yeah. I open up the golem list. Yeah. Okay. I'll open up the golem. There's list. so many. A couple third party ones in here that we're not gonna do. Hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of them. I think I know my answer. For the sake of the argument, let's just say we're having fun with this. We're not like trying to conquer the world or yeah, get special. Because then you're gonna go like adamant, right? And and that's and that's not a fun answer to the question. I'll tell you what, I've been <laughs> really getting into candles lately. Oh, I've been burning these burning um, midnight oil, these ashen fir candles. That's the brand name. My favorite is Hunter, but I love Beacon and Aspen and Kingston as well. So I want a wax golem that I could just burn different flavors of candle in my apartment. Demuth said a flesh golem seems on brand for Steve. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was going to say that, but then I was like, oh, no, that's going to be too fucking weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm going to do uh, anime girl body pillow. Golem. Was that the answer that you wanted to move? That's what you wanted. That's what you want. Uh, I, I think. I think one that I would like is. Um, I don't think it's on your list. It's a uh, Planican Golem. What the hell's that? It's it's a Golem made out of the thing that like kings sit on and get carried around. Oh my god! You sit on it. And it's a Golem and it walks you around town. <laughs> All right, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. After a big leg day, I just roll over to East Market, like on my planikin. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> I'll have the po' boy, please. <laughs> just looking bored, sitting down in your <laughs> scrolling. <laughs> All right, what else do we got, Haley? Well, there was a lot of lewd conversation about golems, so I'm gonna go to imagine my surprise. <laughs> How bizarre! The ghouls in this chat. 
anyway. <laughs> I am going to uh, go to one of the last questions, I think, that's not um, incredibly lewd. Because uh, <laughs> I think it'll divert everything. So Thunderous Loved has asked, what's the game plan if someone loses all their characters in some way that isn't immediately recoverable before the end of the campaign? Mm. Are they out or does the campaign divert? I think that's a Griff question through and through. I think that's the Charlie the Chocolate Factory Willy Wonka response. <laughs> You're out, you lose. <laughs> I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe there'd be a situation they can't bring someone back unless I TPK them. Mm -hmm. So I don't really think it's going to happen, but sure. I mean, let's see. Steve and Haley still have a backup character waiting in the wings aside from these two. Um, I do. Rune? Oh, yeah. Even you forget about Rune. Because I don't consider her a backup at this point. She's doing other things. Well, I don't consider her a backup at this point because she's my main character. She's my main character. I've been playing backups. I've got a whole thing of, like, I've got, in my head, she's been doing a lot of stuff, okay? Yeah. You have Matsume and Durin, and if the Shuin saw, if they all go... I'm riding this out with Quinley. Yeah, I was going to say, if you lose Matsube and Durin, you're him. just going to be playing Saw and Quinley. Mm -hmm. Which is straight upgrades. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for yeah, for Emily and Brooks, it's a little more difficult because I don't think they have like characters out there. Emily plays her dad. Yeah, Emily I guess, you know, Brooks, right? Brooks could play the vampire paladin. Who else is out there? Oh, I figured Ikmer would play all four of those werewolf grunts. <laughs> like a slightly good. lower level. I think, I, think, I, think, I think what we all want is for Brooks to play Anya. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, do I, I think we do all want yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's what we all want. So, yeah, that's probably what I'll let him do. And then Emily's got, like, the... She could probably play the... Uh, she could play... Evelyn, the vampire cleric. She's pretty comfortable as a cleric. Who else I we like got the out there? Emily playing Lyra's dad thing because Emily's like, yeah. it's very sparingly that I've heard. I think I've only heard it like when she was making fun of I Frankenstein. Like, yeah. Emily's like 40 or 50 year old man voice is very funny. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. good. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's my response. There's enough characters out there where, you know. It, it may be too late to bring in a new, new character, but there's plenty of characters out there to wrap the campaign with. Well, yeah, we'll find some fourth stringer to bring in. One of you can play the lopper. I've <laughs> 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 already made him as strong as possible as a spiritualist ally. Let me just, yeah. I'll just class him out so he can play him. Um, and All right. Any other questions, Haley? Yeah, we got more. Hell yeah. Let's roll. Uh, Newt asked, back on the golem train here, Newt has asked, if you became an alchemical golem, what cool gadgets and weapons would you want to have and what would you look like? Hmm. Reslan suggested to get a piece of paper and draw each other as your golem of choice. We are uh, not artistic enough for that. I thought that. we were just saying alchemical golem. Uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. That's what Newt yeah. said, but so then I think, Res I think, added on. I think I'd be an alchemical golem, but I would... Instead of being like alchemy focused, I would be culinary focused, and all That's of good. my all of my like mm -hmm. fingers would be like turkey basters. Oh God! Filled with different, <laughs> filled with different sauces, and I'd have like I'd have like a you know I'd have like a seasoning dispenser, and instead of a <laughs> instead of a brain, it would just be like it wouldn't be glass; it would just be 
a uh, you like lift the lid. I didn't know there was such a thing as a wrong answer to an open-ended question. <laughs> you, you open, you open the lid. <laughs> the turkey baster fingers. I didn't say they were all full of cum or something. I know that's where you're going. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I immediately went to don't breathe. I'm a fertility golem. <laughs> All right, well, you're saying something about your head or something? Yeah, it's instead of the brain in a in a jar thing, it's it's a like a, it's all metal and it's just a smoker underneath. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't take the high road, and I'll say I'm going to be a pheromone golem. Mm. Uh, get people all horned up. Yeah, so I think I, I would want to go down the go straight down the inspector gadget route Great except answer. for add in a lot of the alchemical side so mm-hmm. like he does a lot of weird things like in the cartoon version that man splits his body in half and has a spring in the middle of his body yeah there's some creepy weird things with him uh, realistically that you could very easily make much much worse mm-hmm. by adding uh, alchemical <laughs> liquids and bombs I think I went to go see the live action inspector gadget for my birthday Oh, Steve. Yeah, I don't remember that very well. See, I wonder that, if it holds up. That makes me sad because we share a birthday. Yeah, so. <laughs> Just because you know that unless it was his first birthday, it happened on one of your birthdays, too. There was, mm-hmm. a, there was another in the theater somewhere with Steve watching Inspector Gadget at eight years old or whatever. Yep. <laughs> yep. With his parents and whatever friends he was allowed to invite. Full theater. Full of my friends. Oh. Oh, boy. Oh wow! Hundreds of seats. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's not really even bold. a row, Steve. Not Hundreds even a row. Of seats. Not even I a row. Would I believe it out. I was hoping you'd have like one. Yeah, if you're if you're saying that, then, then what I'm saying is, oh, so your class took a trip on your, <laughs> your birthday. <class> <laughs> you had a class yeah, trip to go see a parade on your on your birthday, huh? All right, uh, Eric has asked a question. Eric asks, what's the name for the award for needing the most Breath of Life spells but never losing a character? Mm, I think right now we're calling that the Air Bear Award. Just that yeah. did? The Air Bear Award of Excellence. <laughs> the, yeah, the In Memoriam Air Bear Award, even though Air Bear is technically still alive. He's just died enough times. <laughs> it's an In Memoriam. I honestly don't know if anyone can catch up to Air Bear at this point. I mean, it's possible, but... I guess Quinley is in the running for that award, right? He's in the running, but Air Bear definitely hasn't beat. Yeah. Realistically, what is the number? Is it like four or five? It's four or five. Yeah. Around there. Yeah, because Quinley, I think, is at three. I think so, too. Three plus being actually resurrected once. Mm, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it might be four or five. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that none of us have like a perfect memory like where you can't forget anything because I would love to do like an award show at the end that'd be so cool like pull out a bunch of whole random statistics like that and then do an award show as a zone of truth but like I mean it's hundreds of hours of content that like I you just can't remember all those specific details that'd be great absolutely not (laughs) I wish I I just had like the tally somewhere yeah we should have it was easy for about 200 episodes to yeah, keep the tally. Yeah, the tally was easy before. Yeah, well, we know before, Air Bear Before it became 8v me. Air Bear constantly need breaths. Mm-hmm. Hmm, what do I have to do to make uh, something threatening against 8 level 14 characters? Probably something that's capable of killing any of them <laughs> in a single round. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Oh, man. Do we have any more questions? I think we're starting to get close-ish to uh, time to wrap up. Um, no, no new questions. I have, like, potentially some old ones. Are they any good? I'm reading them. I have a kind of fun one. Sure. Angel in Black asked, and I he, he's directing at Steve, but I think you guys could both answer this one. If you had to choose a three-band lineup for your dream concert, what three bands would you choose? Assuming they would play as they did slash do in their prime. Beartooth, Enes Shikari, the uh, Wonder Years. Done. No hesitation. Absolutely no hesitation. Hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. While you're thinking, we saw not that concert, but a, a similar concert last year when we went up to Cleveland where we saw Beartooth, The Ghost Inside, and A Day to Remember, where Beartooth effectively is my favorite band right now. The Ghost Inside was my favorite band during college, and during high school, A Day to Remember was my favorite band. So to have the three of them on the same bill was just like, we have to make the journey to Cleveland because this is a situation that will happen probably just once in my entire life. Yeah, this, this is, is like absolutely the one insane. Tour that this is going to happen. Yeah. So, though it wasn't the three bands that I named, uh, Enerishikari, Beartooth, Wonder Years, I effectively have lived this because it got like as close as I can reasonably expect this to happen. I think I want to put Power Wolf on my list because I will never see them live mm. because they don't play. They're doing their first American show in 20 years of being a band this year in like New York or something <laughs> like and it's one show and then they're going back to like London or something Jeez. Uh, so uh, I'll put them on because I don't think I'll ever see them live in because I think that would be a great show and then to stack on top of them I feel like I would love to see a show with them and Rammstein Ooh. Um, and then Ooh, to wrap that up. I, uh, I had a friend in high school and college that was super, super, super into Ramstein, and he was always sending me live videos, and it was always just like, this this music is, you know, it's fine. I think it's good, but it's not exactly my cup of tea. But, but like the live I would shows, love the to live see them shows live. Like every, right, everything that he was sending me, all these live shows, it was incredible. Yeah, and I think that's part of this question. It's like, these aren't necessarily like my favorite bands, but like together in a live show, I think would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, oof, to wrap that up, uh, like I kind of want something similar in vibe because I think Rammstein basically headlines that show with uh, with the crazy pyrotechnics. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe like... T-Pain doing his covers album? Yeah, T-Pain doing his covers album, obviously. <laughs> Flip Lossy. I mean, fuck, I think like, you know, another, like I would have loved to see live either Ozzy on a sol on his solo project or Black Sabbath. So I think great answers. The, yeah. I think those three in a show would be nuts, you know, and it would be not all in English, <laughs> but it would be, it'd be heavy the whole time. Hell yeah. And I can't argue with that. What, what a great way to close out questions. Haley, do we have any final jabs for today? We do have one. Okay. Who's it from? Rez. Oh, okay. Sure. Would Griff as an alchemical golem have some questionable substances on its ass equivalent body part that would impart diseases when struck? I think that's in reference to everything from the beginning. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and yes, probably. Weakness to showing bare ass. Oh, uh, the the full name for the person who submitted that is uh, Miss General Dr. Rez, ma'am. Uh, Mrs. Dr. General Rez. 
name. Incredible name. <laughs> Incredible name. All right. Well, that is. I think that's our episode. I think we did it. Griff, Haley, y'all made it out of the zone of truth, and so did everybody that is participating live. You succeeded your will saves. We are about to hop into the Drunken Disorderly channel in a moment for the after party. But in the meantime, Griff, is there anything that you want to say to the people at home? Do you want to tease some of the some of the dates we've set for the future content? I'm not going to give like a release date, oh. but we have like some. We have we some kind of in stone. Okay, I'm going to pull uh, up my calendar. We have some kind of in phone. stone recording stuff, which <laughs> will let people extrapolate to when we're thinking we might release some content. All right, so when I'm looking at April, I see Zone of Truth Live on the 8th, Holy Saturday. That, of course, is Poseidon's Bounty 3, Shrimp Ahoy. The weekend after that, April 15th, is the first recording of Speak With Plants. And we're planning on basically doing a whole day recording. We're gonna do a whole bunch of episodes. And we talked about that on the episode last time, how we're probably going to drop a chunk for the general populace and maybe an extra episode or so for the Patreon subscribers, after which the show will continue to be a Patreon exclusive. I got one. Yeah, what else do we have on the the uh, the menu here? Well. Uh... I think we've made it semi-official that Brooks and Emily will be joining us in studio for the final several episodes of Carrying Crown. Yes. Uh, They'll be making the journey back to Columbus the first weekend of June. So that'll be the end. The first weekend of June, we will be recording the end. What that means for you, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how many episodes we're going to record that weekend. Might be a lot, maybe not. We'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be like just like the old days, how the show started and how it's been, you know, get everybody in the same room. Be fun. Yeah, we'll, have to, to it. we'll have to figure out what we're doing with this whole studio. Yeah, I know. We're going to have to tear it apart. It's going to be awful. But Yeah, it will suck, but yeah. it'll be fun. Move it into a quarter. <laughs> Put all the cameras from the corner. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That aside, are there any more dates or anything more you want to shout out before we move on here? Ooh. I think we're tentatively planning in, a, in Origins thing, but yeah, don't yeah. I mean, yet. I think we're going to be here for Origins formal um, announcement. TBD sounds like the STF crew is going to be here too, so it's going to be a good time. But yeah, okay. Like well, same thing you got to say. I already said the stuff that I want to say, and then you said you. But then you usually go like, about, uh, anything else to say?" Right, but I did that, and then you started talking about <laughs> dates. Right, and then you're supposed to do it again. Yeah, do it again. All right, well, thanks for everybody for tuning in. You all made it out of the zone of truth. You all succeeded your will saves. And Griff, is there anything else that you want to say to the people at home before we get out of here? No, just finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Did I tell you about uh, my bathroom story from from yesterday? What? Uh, I don't think so. No? Okay. But I can't wait. So we were we were at a bar and we were watching oh, yeah. um, March Madness and it was St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Careful, because if this is funny enough, I might put it at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
I had a, you know, I, I finally had to go to the bathroom. We had had dinner there and whatever. And we had been sitting there for a while. We'd been sitting there for like three hours. So it was one of those deals where three hours plus four beers plus like an entire plate of wings equals like, uh oh, I'm getting a little rumbly in my tumbly. Mm-hmm. I don't usually like to number two at the bar, but it's brand new. Like the bar is brand new. The bathrooms are brand new. All right. It's not going to break be, them in, baby. It's not going to be terrible. So. <laughs> So I get in there and, you know, first thing I notice is that the non-handicapped stall is taken. Okay. So, I, you know, I have to do the walk of shame to the only other stall, the handicapped stall. Yes. Um, and, you know, do, I'm doing my business and this doesn't actually take the turn where I think you maybe think it's going from the, the handicapped stall misdirect. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time in my life in a public bathroom, I look over and see that not one, not two, not three of the auxiliary toilet papers have any toilet paper in them. Oh, no. So imagine my surprise. Thank God you checked that before going. Oh, no, I absolutely didn't. Oh, no. I had had the the security of, like, there's a huge thing of toilet paper. Like, Uh you know, it's a brand new place. Like, there's no way they're going to be out of three industrial size rolls of toilet paper that's, that's never happened that hasn't even happened in a stadium bathroom to me oh no um so i'm sitting there and the guy in the stall next to me leaves uh but as he leaves like two more people come in and they're <laughs> you know they're going and it's at this point that i realize like i'm gonna have to make a break for it the second this gets empty <laughs> Because this isn't the kind of this isn't the kind of shit where I would like to pull my pants up all the way before I get to the other place, and you know, and desperately hope that there's toilet paper in there. You didn't want to shout out to a stranger like, "Hey, man, throw some paper towels over here." Or something. No, no, I, I didn't. I, I figured I figured he would leave. I figured he would leave. I figured he would leave, and I'd be able to get over. Um, so I misjudged it. Okay. I had heard, I had heard the door open twice. People went to the bathroom. I thought I had heard two hand washes and a door Uh open and close. Turns out one of the guys was slower on the draw on the washing. Oh no. So I, I get, I come out of the stall, lock eyes with him in the mirror. I'm not, I'm not bare ass. I got like my front covered, but your ass is bare. My, yeah, my, yeah. But my ass isn't out. bare to the mirror, and so I just, I just back into the other stall. And like, and we're with our friends John and Brittany. And so you have to like, like watch him. Yeah, I'm looking wow. at him and I'm like while your shame is being hidden. I didn't turn around to open the door and just slid backwards into it. Um, and and we're th- we're there with our friends John and Brittany, you know, and and I'd been gone at this point for like twenty minutes. <laughs> and John's like, I was wondering what was taking so long. I was like, Yeah, there was. 
for the first time in my experience living my my nearly 30 years there was uh <laughs> there was no toilet paper no auxiliary to toilet paper and no tertiary toilet paper in the stall <laughs> in the handicap stall no less my god <laughs> I'm putting this all at the end of the episode. Like, I, I didn't even know if it was like, because I did, I was ashamed of the situation. <laughs> no, he so didn't tell the employee. I was ashamed of the situation. So I was, yeah, so I was like, I, you know, I feel like this is going to, like, it's going to suck for me if I tell somebody like, hey, listen, there's no toilet paper in the, in the handicap stall. How do I know? Well, because I'm A, a dick that used the handicap stall and B, because I ran out and had to scoot ass backwards into the other one. <laughs> Shuffle, <laughs> shuffling around mud butt style. So, uh, so yeah. The drinks were good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Looking, of, looking forward to play, checking this place out tonight. The rest of the evening went by uh, pretty uneventfully. <laughs> just one, one minor setback my. To, to my evening. Jesus Christ. You never thought to text John? Like, hey, man. Dude, he was texting me. I could have sent John in there to save him. I, I was thinking Help about a brother it, but... out. Okay, here's the deal, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I knew either way it's one ply toilet paper, right? So mm -hmm. do I want John sending like five hand rolls under there? Probably not. Like, I think I, you just get, well, I mean, you were able to get from one to the other, but yeah. you, first you could have John run interference or pass you enough to sort of clean your situation up so the shuffle is a little less, you know. Listen, I just figured the swampy. shuffle was going to take two seconds. <laughs> I was timing it and I misjudged the time. It was only one guy in there. I misjudged the time. And, and what was this guy's reaction when he saw it? I mean, he just looked right down at his hand. Honestly, that's the only yeah. thing you could do in that situation. Yeah, he like he like was desperately then trying to get the automatic water to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're late to starting the episode, but I think that was worth it. Well, okay, so so I get into the other stall. Oh, we're I not get, done. I get into the other stall and like no primary TP. Secondary TP was running thin, oh, and I was like, no. "Oh my god, this is not a good sign. This is not a good sign for anybody that's trying to go to the bathroom here." Budgetary cutbacks at this brand new place already. I was like, "I might, I might end this role right here. <laughs> I might end this role right here, and then what do we do? You got one tertiary role that you can't even reach without a key." Mm -hmm. If if I had seen the tertiary role in the other one, I was about to break the plastic on that side. <laughs> But no, no tertiary roll. Break it open. God, I'm like making noise in the stall too, because I'm like reaching up into the because the, the, they're the giant rolls. So you got to like reach way up if there's not a ton in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it's not yeah, hanging down, it. and it's on its last legs. So I'm like, the, it was the strangest. Really snake it. It was the strangest thing I'd seen because like there's two rolls, but the bottom thing slid side to side. Oh yeah. So that oh, yeah. it so that it like cut. You can cut off like you know you can get a get something to cut the TP on either side. Mm -hmm. So I'm like sliding that thing over. I'm like trying to get through. Dude. Yeah, it, was, it was tough. Wow. <laughs> you know they say in the biz. That was a tough titties. Tough <laughs> titties situation. <laughs> yeah.